This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Aquarium Co-op. Corey and the team at Aquarium Co-op have redefined the tropical fish and plant buying experience. Aquarium Co-op provides incredibly healthy fish, gorgeous plants, and top quality lights, food, and accessories at competitive prices. So how do I know this? Well, I'm fortunate enough to call them my local fish store where I've purchased many of the aforementioned items. Now you may not live in the greater Seattle area, but that shouldn't stop you from checking them out. Pay close attention. Listeners of this podcast can get 5% off AquariumCoop.com orders by using the promo code Aquarist5 at checkout. One more time, that promo code is Aquarist5. And if their retail operation wasn't enough, they bring exceptional video content through the Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel. I encourage you to check out the instructional how-to, travel, and fish room tour videos. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Lastly, be sure to share the Aquarius podcast with your fish nerd friends. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Sunday, September 2nd, 2018. My guests today are Gino Danella and George Garcia. Together, they are the owners of Pleco Paradise LLC. And tonight, we're going to have our first dual guest interview. So Gino and George, welcome to the Aquarius podcast. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks for the show. So we're definitely going to... uh try and be somewhat entertaining <laughs> <laughs> no worries and you know it's uh it's about 8 30 here on the on the west coast for me uh it is a was it 10 30 for you guys correct correct yeah so thank you very much for staying up late uh and on that note where are you guys located <laughs> we're about a half hour outside of chicago in uh addison illinois okay very cool and so, you know, usually the way we uh, we kick this episode off or the show off is, you know, we do the origin story and then we kind of, you know, build through the progression of, you know, the, 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 the guests that I'm interviewing and then we kind of have a meat and potato subject. But, you know, it's going to be a little bit different today since I've got two guests on right now. So whoever wants to go first, Gino and George, um, why don't you go ahead and walk me through your progression in the hobby and maybe we'll just go back and forth and uh, we'll get to the point where we're talking about Pleco Paradise. Yeah, we, of course. It just started with uh, with a fifty five. For me, it started with a fifty five gallon tank and like uh, just a, a passion for wanting to keep fish. And of course, I went through the struggles of setting up your first tank, keeping fish alive, and learning all that stuff. Went from a fifty five to a one twenty, up to fifteen tanks in a room, twenty tanks in a room, and then mm-hmm. into a <laughs> yeah. then turned into a business. You know, just something I'm passionate about. George and I both work uh, full-time jobs as well. and That's actually how we met. We met at our current employer, and uh, he's actually the one who got me seriously into the hobby because I did, like, the whole, you know, fish, you know, the goldfish tank, all that, the beta tank growing up, but nothing ever serious. It wasn't until I met him that I actually started diving into it and then just going kind of nuts. And my progression was the same as his. It started off with, like, a 75, and then it blew up into having – eight tanks in my place and I, I lived in like a two bedroom apartment, you know, so, nice. um, it was very humid. <laughs> so you don't have to say, you don't have to say who your current employer is right now, but what industry are you guys in? It actually kind of fits that we actually sell fish because we're actually in the auto industry. We actually uh, work sales. So we have a very hectic schedule. We work a lot of hours and, uh, honestly, I'm starting to think we're workaholics because we work a very, um, crazy schedule at work and then on top of that like you're saying thanks for staying up late this is like when we start to do stuff you know what i mean like we're, we're gonna go hit the fish room after this and clean, yeah, clean about 40 it's no big deal for us <laughs> to be awake till two three in the morning whether we're talking to exporters overseas or cleaning tanks or yada yada, yada. customers yeah. customers yeah customers tons of people in california the time zone difference really uh kind of hits us there 
Oh, nice. So your coworkers must think you guys are crazy then, right? Oh, yeah. They feel <laughs> super new. Most definitely. Not even a question. Everyone thinks we're nuts. You import fish, like, to eat? Yeah. No, no, no. no. no we don't, we don't, we don't import frozen tilapia or anything. We import live. People buy those? Ornamental fish, yeah. And then when we get something really expensive, and they spend how much on that? <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, gotta. You have to love the. Uh, you have to love the sticker shock from uh, from people that are outside of the hobby. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So Definitely. let so let let's go back a little bit and talk about. Um, you know, you started. Gino, you started with a fifty-five gallon. What were you into? What were you keeping? And how have your tastes changed as you uh, you know progressed in the hobby? The the first fish I ever bought was an albino bristlenose short fin. I I for some reason loved plecos like ever since the day I even got interested in fish, you know, my, uh, my next door neighbor who was my best friend and my cousin, they, they kind of got me into the hobby a while back cause they've always been into animals and fish specifically. But, um, yeah, the first fish I ever bought was a, was a pleco. <laughs> and it was an albino bristlenose short fin pleco on top of that. It was a short fin, yeah. Wow. Short fin and long fin versions, yeah. I don't so, know. I don't know how many people I've ever talked to, or mm-hmm. even in general out there, that that was like one of their first fish, let alone their very first fish. I saw this big five-inch fat male with a bunch of bristles on his face. I'm like, what the heck is that? I gotta have it. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. And so then, uh, so what did you keep from there? I mean, were you were you doing South American cichlids? Were you doing African cichlids? Mm-hmm. What what was your what was your taste? I kind of did both. I did a lot more South American, kind of just everything. And and I got to the point where I had a few tanks running, and one of the tanks was kind of just an assortment of, you know, aggressive South American, Central American cichlids, you know, um, redheads and spilums, some of the the AHA family. And, of course, the the common stuff, Jack Dempsey's and Texas cichlids. Started off with the kind of the beginner cichlids, I guess you can say, plecos. Always had a bunch of plecos. Um, And then I I, I had a 120 that I had bought one day and was pretty excited about that i threw a bunch of uh texas holy rock in there and probably had about 75 african cichlids mostly peacocks and uh, so i've done a little bit of both but south america that's that's what i love the most and just an oddball fish too a lot of bashirs and knife fish you know the weird stuff And, and so are you a collector at this point or are you doing any like serious breeding of these fish we're most we're mostly collectors right now. We we have quite a few groups of fish that we'd like to breed. We just need to set them up properly and separate them from their community tanks that they're in. We do a lot of just bringing in fish, bring them in, medicate them, get them out, rotate. Okay, so you're so you've got you know you're saying you went from a 55 gallon to a 120 to 15 to 20 tanks in a fish room. Uh, here along comes George. You get this guy into the hobby as well. You guys are buddy buddy, just fish nerding out. I mean, walk me through the, hey, man, I got an idea. Let's do Pleco Paradise, right? Like, so how does that all come about? That was actually Gino starting that off. Um, He decided he really wanted to do that, do that full-time. He actually ended up quitting and started the company. I was just friends with him at a time. I was collecting. I was getting crazy. I was in a different – I was into different things than him. Yeah, at that time. I was, mind, yeah. yeah, I went nuts with – I went from African cichlids for a while, and then after that I went nuts into uh, discus. And going nuts in the discus just taught me a lot of things. You know, it was just a very involving fish. So I, I had to really just take a crash course and learn everything I possibly could about it. just a variety of different things I was going to deal with. And him being the Pleco nerd 
and me at that point needing a Flecko, we went to a swap together. While we were at the swap together, I ended up buying my first, starting the whole process of the L333 to kick it off. My son's very for, favorite fish ever. It made no sense. I had a bunch of beautiful discus tanks, and he was just focused on that. <laughs> but um, now when we went to the swap, we saw all this. They did kind of put the seed in our mind that, you know what, maybe we could do something like this. We're passionate about what we do, and, you know, we know a fair amount of information, so we do help out some of the people in the local community whenever they were going through things. And um, the seed got planted there. Gino ended up jumping ship from work for a little bit, going headfirst into it. It didn't really plant with me just yet. I probably didn't jump on board for six months. And then once we jumped on board, LLC came along. Um, we started ordering from suppliers in Florida and just local suppliers. And it kind of went like that. I mean, we were very much in the growing stage. So we were ordering from people in the U.S., we were selling in the local community. We weren't shipping yet. And mostly just focusing on expansion, a.k.a. every time we made money, all we really did was spend it on food, heaters, tanks, wood to build stands, things like that. So it was mostly just us finding cool stuff that we liked, keeping the ones that we wanted, selling the rest off, and then growing. And uh, things probably really took off about a year and some change ago once we um, – started importing our fish ourselves and not dealing with any U.S. suppliers. Um, it was definitely a rocky road a little bit because it was a learning curve for us, but doing that and then shipping completely um, completely elevated us. It was, at that point, a really, really rapid progression for us, and um, it became really fun. You know what I mean? Um, as far as collectors right now, he's definitely a collector right now. I'm not spoiling myself yet. Um, every now and then I walk into, like, the living room by like where the fish room's at and uh i see in the tank like all these random fish that we, <laughs> yeah. we love and i just find them I'm like oh, okay well there's where that went where that went where that went okay yeah yeah and, it, and i just <laughs> throw like just subtle like you know things out there like oh look at it. it's one of the filamentosas and he's like yeah 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 so he's collecting right now i haven't spoiled myself yet i would like to do it again soon but i'm waiting until i think uh we are where we where i want us to be before I start collecting, and I'm, like, really excited. I'm, like, I've been building a dream tank in my head for the past year. I can't help myself. Yeah, no, Gino, yeah. I think, I think I'm think i like you, man. I have, I have uh, <laughs> I, if I think of something, man, I, I pretty much have to go after it. I don't it, It's hard to, to wait. So let, help me understand the, 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 the operations, right? So when we started out, did we just convert Gino's tanks? I mean, are we, are we in a warehouse space? Um, what did that look like? So when we started off, you know, capital is a, is a huge thing. And uh, we kind of wanted to test the waters with the, with the business. I, I wanted to start the business because, you know, number one, I'm super passionate about it. But number two, I had always gotten uh, a lot of fish from pretty much everywhere and just kind of noticed how things were being done. This is a business that's kind of growing. So we, we set up some fish in our, in our basement. You know, that's, uh, that was the only way we were able to do it, start off in the home, see how things go. So that's what we did. We set up a big rack in the back of my basement, central system, which we, we big learning curve, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. We we had to start in our house. We kind of had no choice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, are you guys are you still in the basement right now? Yeah, well, we're in a different basement now. We've definitely made some changes and we've made some moves. We have a lot more tanks than we used to. So but, what... yeah, we're still in the basement. We've been we've been running two years. Uh, what was it, June sixth? was our two-year anniversary and, and the first 
six months or so, we're just, you know, troubleshooting. Where do we order from? What do we order? This and that. Kind of just a lot, lot to learn. Lot to learn. And so by rough counts, so when, when you guys What's first, when, by a rough count, when you guys first started, how many tanks did you have? To how many tanks are you guys operating right now? Yeah, when we when we started the business, we had 12, 13, we had about 16 tanks or so combination of like 30 gallon longs 40 gallon longs a few 75s some 55s 33 longs a bunch of bunch of random assortment uh we had a couple 150s a 200 a 120 and we had this 300 gallon pond it wasn't a pond it's like a it's like a stock tank if you will that we used for larger fish larger tanks for larger fish or larger groups of fish and uh yeah we we uh had about i'd say 15 to 20 then it turned into 30 now we're up to about 50 tanks or so and about 49 species oh wow of fish very cool and so you had talked about how this kind of this last year and a half has really been a ramp up on the business so um can you kind of walk through again what what of those changes that have been that have happened in the last year the the big change for us was beginning to import actually buying from the suppliers in south america um one it helped us just get a lower um buying price well we didn't factor in how expensive shipping was at that time but you know we learned that when we got our first order um but with that being said that was probably the big thing because we were able to actually have access to you know start making requests for certain things and just getting better quality than we were used to getting from the local suppliers um so that was a big key thing for us because we were bringing in a lot more rare species larger uh they were a little more affordable for us you know um that was one of the big things the one that followed right after that was shipping. We had a lot more access. We had access to a lot more customers than we did before. Chicago is still a big area. Working all the local swaps is still great. We were still doing well for ourselves, but it really helped us grow once we had access to the people that were around the country. We were struggling to find some of the things that we were able to bring in. And um, that was really the big, those two things having in combination was the big jump for mm-hmm. And so, I guess, uh, before you made the jump to doing the importing, so let's go back to your suppliers are in the United States. So you start up Pleco Paradise, um, and, and do you basically just need kind of a wholesale license to, to start talking with some of these distributors in the United States? Oh, yes, most definitely. You have to be a registered retailer with the state of which you reside in or where, where your business is. And there's definitely some major steps. You have to form a company and tax ID numbers, bank accounts, all this, all this stuff. They're definitely not open to the public. You have to fill out applications and get approved and this and that. So it's definitely a bit of a process. Yeah, no, definitely. And so, and so I guess how much of that on this journey, right? Even, even with, you know, setting up to, to do business here in the United States, not even doing the importing, um, how many like lessons learned did you think you went through? Oh, I, I, I've lost count. They never end. The lessons learned never end, man. Never end. I, I can't imagine me being 20 years into the industry and, and not still learning, you know, <laughs> everything you can imagine in terms of just doing the paperwork to open up the business all the way up to bringing the fish in and keeping them alive and marketing them correctly. And it, it never ends. And the time identification. change, identification, all oh, that's huge. Yeah. That's a bigger step now than it was before, but even so, still the same thing. Identifying the fish that we bring in. Sometimes we get uh, some fish that might be questionable based off what we ordered. Most of the time, it's not a problem. But uh, yeah, you, you learn constantly. 
Yeah, and you learn from the customers constantly too. That never ends either. Yeah, and I think that's very cool that you guys have this, uh, you know, you still have this passion for the business, you have this passion for the hobby that even as you're hitting all of these hurdles and all of the red tape that it takes just to, to do something as simple as, you know, find cool fish and make them available to other people, um, that, you know, you're hitting these hurdles, you're having these lessons learned, but you're still going with it, right? You're going strong. And then you say, you know, let's let's go ahead and take it to the next level and let's start importing. So, uh, you know, without giving away your sources and, you know, uh, I want you guys to be able to retain some of that competitive edge maybe that you've built up. But, you know, how, how did that first conversation go where you're reaching out to somebody in, in South America to try to start bringing in fish directly? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that was pretty that, shaky. That's always, uh, that, God. I, was, I think I was using Google Translate and uh, <laughs> nice. maybe realized they do it for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically. I said, I, Sent a bunch of messages to some people in Brazil and Portuguese and <laughs> some people in Colombia and Spanish and it translated obviously, but it kind of comes out all all backwards. And yeah. Stuff. And Nowadays then, we just talk in broken English. Yeah. Then they would re- yeah exactly. Then they'd, re- <laughs> they'd respond in their language and have to go and translate. Sometimes the messages I would have to decode. You know, like what is this guy saying? But yeah. then we just started speaking. English. You know, real short. Real quick to the point, English and, and a picture. Can you get? Yeah, can, you, uh, can get this question mark, and it, it's been working out pretty well. How much question mark? What size? Oh, yeah, that's always fun because you know we think after this point, as much stuff as we import, that we can tell you exactly what centimeters to inches are. But yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that. yeah, that's a, that's a that's a tricky one. So, so how many countries are you guys importing fish from? Not really, uh, just three countries right now. We go to primarily. We go to Peru a lot. Yeah, we, we have to, a really good guy in Peru that we uh, really like to work with. He's just a joy to deal with. Um, Colombia quite often. Mm-hmm. Brazil is probably Pleco Central pretty they, much. They have every popular Pleco you can think of. Yeah, that's the one thing. You know, this is Pleco Paradise. Brazil has some of the most popular Plecos out there, but we have been going nuts in, in Peru lately because <clears throat> you were talking about passions. One of the passions we definitely have is for stuff you don't see like Gino hit it on the head oddballs I'm in love with um whiptails he's in love with whiptails a lot of really nice ones come from there and we have a passion for bringing in things that are just not seen in the hobby ever not because it's just popularity issues but just how difficult it is to get them some of these things they well a lot of the stuff we get they catch by hand but comes from really remote parts you know like we we imported for the first time i'm going to butcher the name the funchy loricaria nano dan the second time they ever left the country of peru first time they ever came into america was this past month you know with us yeah. yeah it was just just to see them they're just you know just you see some really beautiful stuff out there that most people don't even know exist yeah that's for sure I think because uh, I, I was so hardcore into plecos, I you know researched plecos, 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 and obviously Brazil has quite a few of the you know gold nuggets and the Sudic, a lot of Sudicanthicus, two seventy three Titanics, and all types of stuff, mangoes and para plecos, L seventy fives, pretty much every gorgeous pleco you can think of, you could. Oh, the typhoon. The, the oh typhoon, you can guarantee it uh, comes from Brazil, and and Colombia and Peru have great plecos too, but. Since I, ones yeah, Brazil. since I was so into Plecos, I studied Brazil. Once we got in contact with some people in Peru, we were like, what the heck are, what are these fish? We did a lot of Google searching when we got those lists. And that's why we've stuck there for a while because we're bringing in so many random fish that you don't see or people haven't even heard of. And that actually sets us aside a little bit because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're still working out of our basement and there's a lot of local fish stores that bring in pretty much the same fish 
every week after week, month after month. So we make sure we give people a reason to come over to our house or, or buy from us by offering fish that you're not going to see at your local fish store. There's some really renowned local fish stores in the U.S. that bring in cool stuff, but uh, most of them bring in the more common stuff that you can kind of find everywhere. So we, we try to stay different, set ourselves apart from uh, the typical local fish store, you know, and bring in some rare stuff. Yeah, so now I'm wondering, do you guys have, like, any specialty customers that, you know, they always want, you know, the most exotic, the most expensive, whatever it may be, and, you know, the, you, they have you on speed dial, right? Like, maybe they keep a low-key profile, but they're like, hey, Gino, can, can you get this for me? And you kind of have to, you know, you, you go out there and try to source these particular fish for these guys. Anything like that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I'd say we have quite a few customers that turn to us specifically to get them things they haven't been able to find, have been searching for for years. People will search for fish for years, three years, four years, five years, and then it pops up one day. And, mm-hmm. and then we, Usually when it pops up, we get the message from them, I can't believe you have any of these cheap because they've been fantasizing for so long. They've put this fictitious price on them. You know, <laughs> but yeah, we definitely have people out there who special order something. I can think of somebody right now who if the fish isn't, you know, 15 inches or better, he's not going to touch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has to be rare. It has to be huge. Um, and he does not care. It has to be a big, big, like, oh, my God, I've picked up children that weighed less than this fish. <laughs> wow. And so, is this, and so I, I mean, I'm just fascinated by this kind of, you know, a uh, pleco collector mentality. Is this somebody that, again, wants to be a, a breeder, or is it just somebody that just wants to have big old plecos in their tank? It's, it's a- it's a variety of things. I guess I'm sorry about interrupting. I'm bad with that. But um, it's a variety of things. We have breeders that just look for really odd stuff to try and breed, and then there's the person who's a collector. There's the, ironically, most of the big, the, the specialty customers are typically collectors. You know, they're not really li- looking for multiples of these fish. They want one or two, maybe three, but they just want something that when you walk up to their tank, you, you just say, wow, or your eyes bulge, or you're like, that's, you know. You know, you just stutter. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. You know, we have some customers that have a bunch of tanks, and they're all big, you know, multiple 300, 400, 500-gallon tanks. They can put some big fish in there, and they want to get some collectors. And some people say, I- I'm going to give a stab at breeding this. I got a 600-gallon stock tank in the garage. You know, get me 10 of these so I can see what happens. And if nothing happens, they're still totally satisfied. If something happens, that's good. So as far as your customer base, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm imagining that since you are, you know, you're out of your, your home business um, in the greater Chicago area, you're going to have a lot of Chicago area, a lot of Midwest customers. Uh, but since you've expanded your reach and now you're starting to, to reach across the country, are there any parts of the country or any states in particular that have kind of surprised you? Like, oh, man, I can't believe that this state or this part of the country would have so many, you know, people interested in this kind of pleco or this kind of catfish. You know, I don't know that it would be that a specific state is, has been interested in a specific type of fish. We, I mean, we have customers all over the place, and it's crazy. Yeah, I think it's blown both of our minds since we started shipping. I can't uh, – we're pretty popular apparently in uh, California. We have quite a few customers in that area I just that, that order from us. That area just tends to have, be a little bit more affluent just from the cost of living there. Yeah. More people have money to spend on hobbies like this. Um, but it's like a mix. Yeah. California would be a big one. And then just odds and end states and no offense to any of the, any of the people listening out there. I'm not disrespecting your state, but like something like Idaho, Nebraska, North Dakota, where there's not 
as big, or there aren't as many major cities like, say, Chicago, L.A., New York City, things like that. So they don't have access the same way that the big metropolises do. I, I would say just a lot of states like that tend to be really good for us because we bring in rare stuff even for, like, a big metropolis like Chicagoland area. But yeah. they don't have anything like that. They drive an hour and a half to go to Petco, you know, which is not going to have anywhere near the, um, I'm not going to say quality, but I'm going to say just how rare the species are. They're going to you know, stock more common stuff that's going to sell, if that makes sense. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, in, in rural areas, you're not going to see local mom-and-pop shops where you, can, where you can get, you know, hard-to-get fish or fish you don't see too often. So I guess it made sense. We were surprised at first, like, oh, really? We're sending this all the way out there and uh, into the middle of nowhere? But it's, it, it does make sense because they can't, you know, you might have a two-hour drive, like George said, to Walmart. You know, so you're, you're, there's definitely not going to be a high-quality fish store in between your house and the two-hour Walmart, be, you know, yeah, maybe. More than likely. Most of the no. time there's not. Yeah, no, that's very cool. I mean, it's it's great to hear that we've got, you know, such a reach for this hobby. Um, you know, whether whether it, your thing is the, the fancy exotic plecos or more common fish, but that we do see, you know, people in all parts of the country that are enjoying this hobby. So I think that that's really cool. Um, going back to the importing, right? So we've got the, the three countries primarily that you're, you're um, importing from. Uh, have either of you got a chance to actually go out there, meet, you know, the people that you're doing collecting with, um, yeah. your suppliers, or actually do any collecting yourself? We have never done it. That is a goal for uh, our anniversary day. I don't know if we can do it for three years, but four years, definitely we have to. We, we yeah, yeah, we have to. And where do you think I mean, you, it's in the work? Where do you think you want to do it? Work. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't been out there. We haven't, which, we haven't been out to any of those places yet. Which, which country We'd would you want to do? Our, uh, what's that? Which country would you want to do? Uh, I'd want to go to Brazil. <laughs> I'd want. I'd want to go to brazil and at least see the facilities that these special fish are kept in it i i'd die to go catch them myself that'd be great yeah um for me it's 100 percent peru um 100 percent peru oh you know, nice um, okay I've, I've seen i've seen a lot of collection videos from we we both see them because you know well we talk to a lot of our exporters and we love to see videos from them. so we have a bunch and we post them on our instagram we posted them on our facebook page you know, of Panak uh, collection sites in uh, Colombia, uh, holding facilities for, you know, some of the phantoms in Colombia. But the reason Peru just stands out for me is because I have such a whiptail fetish, and it's it's just a lot of cool stuff comes from there, man. You know what I mean? Like, it, I'm really passionate about that particular, like, segment of the, uh, segment of the uh, hobby. That no-brainer for me. Yeah, I love yeah. but... So, I'm really so, going nuts about whiptails. So, Gino, George is 100% on Peru. Are you? Can you bend off of Brazil for this first time going out there on your anniversary for uh, on a collecting trip to Peru? I would be more than happy <laughs> to accommodate George and <laughs> go to Peru. No, honestly, I'd be more than happy to go to any of the countries we order from. I've, I've never really been anywhere like that before, so... Yeah, you know, experience alone would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so if we're talking, if we're talking, this is something within the next like two or three years. I think you guys need to get, um, you need to package it up so it's you know, Pleco Paradise customers of Pleco Paradise. Try to get like a group trip down there, uh, and then stay in touch with me because I would love to go down there. If I mean, if you know, the stars were to align and it worked out, man, I think that would be an awesome, fun opportunity. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Oh, yeah, we've already looked into the cost. Trust me, there's there's a Facebook page for one company. It's called Go Wild. Peru. 
Yeah. And uh, it's ran by a guy named Ian Fuller, posts a lot of cool stuff. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've already looked into the cost. I've talked to people from other countries who have gone collecting. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a serious goal of ours <laughs> yeah go wild peru they're uh you know they're getting a lot of youtube love right now Corey from uh, aquarium co-op yeah. he just got back from his trip down Actually, there and so he's put those videos we met up. Him at uh, aquatic um aquashella yeah yeah very cool so let's talk about uh, aquashella how was that experience for you guys fantastic man oh my god that, that was, was a great time so it was, it was the that was a very crazy event we did not have a lot of time to work with, and I'm, we're very proud of how well we managed to set up with the little the amount of time that we yeah, had. I mean, a lot of people prep for that show for six months. We had a 28-day window heads up. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy event, and we met a lot of really cool people in the hobby. I 10 out of 10, I would do it again. Um, yeah, that was probably one. It of was those, great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we we're still smiling thinking about it. It was a very fun fun event. It was one of those events that you talk about until there's another event that that's better than that one, and that could be a long time. Trust me, that could be a few years or something. Yeah, big shout out <laughs> to George and Sean who put that together. Cause, yeah, uh, definitely. They did a great great job. They did a great great job. Coral Fish Twelve, I believe, is uh, YouTube, and then uh, mm-hmm. Sean is um a sales rep from Fritz. They put that whole thing together. And not to, me- not to mention Raphael Campos from RC Auto, where she put all, or RC um, Studios, who uh, did all the artwork. I mean, those three guys moved mountains. I don't, yeah, I don't think they even slept for like two weeks straight. I was going to say, because as a vendor, I, I sort of got on a three-day weekend before like the show started and it ended, I got seven hours of sleep. Oh, wow. I so, was averaging two hours of sleep a day. So going yeah, it, was, it was a crazy event. I mean, yeah. If you could see my face right now, you'd be like, holy crap, I'm going to buy tickets for that. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, so, it was good. It so was good. For Pleco Paradise. Show, it, was, it, it was unlike any other show that uh, anybody's ever been to, that most definitely. It wasn't just a banquet hall or a convention center full of displays and tanks. It, there was a ton of artwork involved, music, an after party. It was, it was most definitely an event. You know, you, you go there, you see some awesome stuff, you meet some great people. You buy some stuff if you want to, and you party, you hang out, listen yep. to some music, enjoy the artwork. It was definitely a show. It was, it was, it was great. It was a great time. So for you guys, what I mean, going to Aquashella as vendors, what was your aim? Was your aim to just build uh, more brand awareness of Pleco Paradise, or were you actually hoping to to move some of the plecos that maybe you brought along with you as a showcase? We actually brought a lot of stuff there that we did not intend to sell whatsoever. I mean, it would have been great if we did. 100% was hoping we would, but we walked in there knowing we were going to bring stuff that a lot of people weren't going to touch because it was just way too high end. We went in there with the intent to, yes, sell some fish, meet some people, network with other people in the industry, but honestly, we went in there to end up on YouTube. I mean, <laughs> just to be honest, we went there for the shock and awe factor because, I mean, it was going to be, I, we, even though it, was, it had never uh, had a show before, this was their very first event right out the gate we knew this was going to be a huge thing so we you know excuse my language we went you know falls to the wall on that one you know we went all the way out yeah aquashella was definitely it was an opportunity for us to show everybody what we're capable of you know and that's that's important obviously because we're we're trying to do some big things we're trying to do some awesome things and yeah that show was the perfect opportunity for us to showcase ourselves what we're able to bring in and just meet a ton of people that that was my 
favorite part of it. We, we just met so many people in the industry, hobbyists in the industry, or, you know, businesses in the industry, and that's important, too. Uh, side note, quick shout-out to some of the people who showed out with us. Jeffrey Moyd, Exotic Discus, great, great guy. Christina Ganji at Gold Coast, awesome to have met her. Uh, Justin at Dats, I mean, God, great, great company, local in the area, read a ton of stuff. Um, shout-out to the UFA. Um, Kevin at K&M Caves, cool, cool guy. I mean, we had a, a nice set of vendors in our little area. Nice, Man, yeah. the names of the beta importers. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great event where even the, the vendors around you, you're able to, to meet them, you're able to mingle and build, you know, what sounds like some pretty good, strong friendships and maybe even working relationships for you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So now so, hey, we're all in this together. You know, we all offer a little bit of different stuff. You know, some people offer these fish and those fish, food, decorations. Yeah. We're, all, yeah, we're all in this together. It was it was a good time. We all became friends. And uh, when it comes to shows like Aquashella and stuff like that, we're a family, man. We're, we're setting up at the same time. We're working through the event at the same time. You, it, tra- it creates a little bit of a bond between all the vendors in there because you're kind of all dealing with the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. People. So, so by now, people listening to this episode are like, man, Gino and George, these guys are passionate. They love what they do. Uh, let's, let's talk like some details around, you know, if somebody is a prospective customer listening to this and they're, you know, they're somebody that they've been after some, some hard to find plecos, um, you know, or whatever it may be, you know, help me kind of understand one, what sets you apart from, from your competition. And I think in the beginning, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, your quarantine process. I want you to kind of go through what you guys do for quarantine. Um, and then I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about some of the really cool fish in particular, drop some, you know, drop some names on some of the cool fish that you guys have right now that you're really proud about. Yeah, no problem. Uh, quarantine's pretty important to us. We, we do pride ourselves on our quarantine process and it's pretty simple and straightforward. You know, the fish come in, they're pretty stressed out. You know, they went from a river to a tank, to a, a bag with a little bit of water and some oxygen in it onto a plane and into our tanks. So they're super stressed out. Sometimes <laughs> fish come from super remote locations. They could be traveling from one segment of the country by boat for 30 hours. And then they get to the holding facility, the facility of the exporter where they're there for a week or two while we're setting up paperwork. And then the plane and then 30-something yeah. hours in a bag. And then they just got dropped into a completely different set of waters, not a river anymore. Now you're in a glass box with filtration and... Yeah, where it's basically up to man to take care of properly. But it's fun. You know, we get, a, we get a shipment of fish, and, of course, we're nervous, you know, until we open those boxes and see how the fish are doing. But we're also really excited. There's nothing like holding up a bag of uh, fish that just came in on import and taking a look at what's inside of it. But once they get in our tanks, we let them sit for a little bit. It's, we'd like to hit them with dewormer right away, but due to all the stress and whatnot, at least from our viewpoint, they could develop some external infections you know whether it be something as common as ick or velvet like an external parasite or fungus they can get bacterial infections just from being stressed out and and uh, being introduced to, to, to new water you know so we keep an eye out for that and uh, depending on the fish there's some that are more hardier than others you know an angel uh, a peruvian angel fish versus uh, some type of whip tail that requires high flow and low ph and sand and whatnot so we'll keep an eye on the fish, make sure they're doing well. And that could be anywhere from five to seven days. Mm-hmm. If we don't notice anything external on the fish within a week or so, we will hit them with dewormer. And we use a variety of medications, fenbendazole, 
you know, levamisole, depending on what we might see or, or whatever on the fish, flubendazole, metronidazole, just a lot of external antibiotics and deworm, uh, excuse me, just a bunch of internal dewormers and whatnot, antibiotics to take care of whatever might be in those fish because they can, they can live in the wild with, with worms and stuff like that. They're not stressed out. They're in their natural habitat with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gallons of, of fresh water every day. So it's a lot different. Once they hit our tanks, you never know. Things can go south. Things can be really well. We, uh, we, we do our best, that's for sure. It can never be 100% guarantee like this fish won't die on you, but we definitely do our best, and we've had uh, really, really good success with the way we handle the fish once they hit our tanks so far. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of as a rule of thumb, so you get one order of fish in, um, how long do you like to sit on that fish just in general before you make it available for sale? Um, maybe minimum, minimum 21 days. 21 days? Minimum. Okay, cool. We've had fish sitting for 21 days. We've had fish sitting in quarantine for 60 plus. It really depends on the situation because sometimes they'll continue to deal with stuff. Sometimes we have the fish come in. They're perfect. We hit them with the wormer. They're all eating fine. Everything's good. Poop looks good. The yeah. poop's important. But with that being said, we we go through a quarantine process, and we still recommend to our customers go through a quarantine process. You know, you look at your tank. If you have a nice setup, look at your tank and just do the math. Do the math between what you have in stock, what you have in decorations. The decorations aren't a big thing because that's not going to go away on you. But just look at stock. If you're an avid collector, like when I was in discus, that was my rule of thumb. When I was in discus, QT, even if you're buying from the same source within the same league, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, you quarantine no matter what because all you have to do is look at your tank and do the math. I remember once I looked at my discus tank and my guy was like, oh, you could just throw them right in there. What? No. You know what I mean? I like five grand in that tank. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's uh, important. It's important to quarantine. Definitely. Yeah, so, well, I mean. Uh, probably I, one of the most important things in the world. I, I really like hearing you guys talk about quarantine. And, again, the, the, your passion for the hobby is coming through. I really hope people listening to this are, are picking up on what you guys are saying. Because, you know, the longer a quarantine period is, right? Like, the moment you guys get those fish, those are dollars tied up in inventory, right? And the fact that you have this mentality of minimum of 21 days. And you're saying, you know, basically this fish, we don't want to sell it. We don't want it to leave our facility until we feel it's at a point where you know it's healthy it's going to have a really good chance at somebody's house right even though you're still advocating for an additional quarantine i mean a lot of people still do that right a lot of people still advocate for you know a quarantine even if it's coming from a very reliable source that's just that's just good practice but again you know if if somebody's perspective and they're looking to you know to to buy a really unique rare um, you know, albeit an expensive pleco, you know, those are all qualities that you want your supplier to have. And I think that's really cool to hear you guys talk about that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, we, we, we appreciate that. We definitely pride ourselves on it. Um, it's probably, and that was one of the main reasons, another main reason why I wanted to start the business because, you know, I love these fish. I wouldn't mind bringing in a few hundred fish and if they don't sell, I'll keep all of them. That's fine with me. But regardless, I, I, as a hobbyist, brought in a ton of fish from all over the place for myself and dealt with all types of diseases and, you know, fish die. It's, it's easy for a fish to die, and it's easy to not know how to medicate uh, a disease or an infection. So I, I learned a whole lot on that, just buying fish for myself as a hobbyist. And that was one thing I definitely wanted to bring to the table with our business, right, like that sets us aside from some of the others. 
we quarantine our fish. We hit them with medication. We don't bring them out. We don't bring them in and get them out right away. Yeah, they're not leaving the door within a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I was. I shook my head a few times as a hobbyist getting sick fish. So that was one of my main focuses with getting this a, business. Getting Let's, a plucker with his belly, you know, scraping it. Yeah, no you know sunken I mean? bellies, no sunken bellies. That's bad news. That's, if you're not into pluckos, that's just like a bad sign when you get a pluckle in and it's like belly is, you know, hollow. Not as, no, it's went off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so uh, how often are you guys getting orders in? Um, and, and on average, how many how many fish are you getting in each order? Oh, uh, 300. If you average it out, probably about 300, 350 fish in an order. We brought in orders with 300 fish. We brought in orders with six, 700 fish. Yes, um, the lowest I think we ever brought in, which was a bunch of monsters, like 130. The biggest I think we've ever pulled in was, yeah, what did you say, like six? Yeah, about 600 fish, maybe six, a little over six. Yeah. And what's your but cadence? Yeah, is that you know, is that once a week or...? Because you have to balance it out because the import list show wonderful prices, and then okay, you spent three grand on fish, awesome. Well, you got two G's in shipping, brokerage fees, everything like that. You know what I mean? Like if you place a small order, you're you're kind of just hurting yourself because it's okay as a hobbyist, as someone who has a gigantic mm-hmm. electrical note, you know, a gigantic. Oh, the water notes right now that water's cheap, but. You know, water note, you know, overhead, um, DOA to, you know, anticipate things like that. You have to order smart. Otherwise, you know, you spend all this money, and then by the time everything's all said and done, it's like, oh, my God, we barely even broke even. You have to account for everything. It's definitely expensive. You, you don't want to order 100 fish or no. that, or anything like that. And the, the shipping is just what makes it super expensive. You know, you get fish for good prices, but then you have a ton of fees and you have to pay yeah, for a million things. And I think our cheapest order to date with fees, just the fees aspect, not even the fish, was probably about 1600 Yeah, a couple grand. Yeah, just that's like our, our cheapest order, I want to say, is around that with all the fees and everything attached to it. Wow, that's the incredible. You bring in, the, the, the more fish you bring in, the less you own those fish for, you know? when it comes to splitting the costs of bringing them in, in between each fish. And that's something that we pride ourselves upon because there's a lot of people who bring in rare fish, you know, I'm not going to say we're not special, but we're not special. You know, there's people who import rare fish. We don't, we're not the only show in town, but doing things the way we do, we try to make sure we make things affordable because just because we bring in something rare doesn't mean, Oh my God, I'm going to put a sticker tag on it like the moon because I can, you know what I mean? Um, we want people to be able to afford these things that one, they can never find. And two, you know, it doesn't need to cost the moon. You know what I mean? Like we can sell it for something that lets us pay our bills and make a little, make a little bit of money, but still make it affordable, affordable for a consumer to get something that would be, you know, they drool about for five years because they don't want to spend the money on what it's been going for for years. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, why don't we give you guys an opportunity, you know, what are some of the, the current fish on your guys' stock list um, that, you know, if, if somebody kind of new to the, you know, the the wild caught exotic pleco scene, you know, two or three, man, maybe even five of the fish that you currently have that you feel like are showstoppers, you're super proud of, and you would want somebody to check out? Um, right now, let's see, let's see, let's see. Are, oh, okay, here. Easy one for me. 
L452 Mustang Cactus Pucko, super rare. Um, we brought in four of them. Okay, that's so, all we can get. Let's go. Yeah, we, <laughs> we tried to get a bunch of them to try and lower the price, but he only had he was only get, he only had access to four of them. That's the only ones they caught. And uh, a couple of them are small, but one of them stands out. Gnarliest fish in the world that I've ever handled. I mean, spikes on it like half a centimeter long. One of the only plecos to legitimately make me bleed. Um, <laughs> that thing was a riot to get in. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, I was shooting messages to people all over the world trying to identify it. You know, because it was, we didn't know what it was. The guy didn't know what it was. He just knew it was rare. But it is called a cactus pleco, so yeah. the fact that you cut yourself on it, I mean, that's your yeah. fault. Yeah, I mean, I should have worked well. The second time I handled it, I worked well. So how do you, um, yeah, so I'm looking at this guy right now on Planet Catfish. I mean, he's, he, it's pretty cool looking, right? Real dark body, um, you know, spots on him. He's got some white spots all over him. And then, you know, this zoomed in picture, there are a ton of spikes on him. So, I mean, how did, did they quadruple bag his bag? I'd imagine he would just, you know, no, tear everything open. Actually, by how they do some of this stuff. Like, we've gotten piranhas in. The, the setup for how they send piranhas <laughs> blew my mind, okay? Uh, basically, think about going to the grocery store. You get, like, a package of olives, okay? All right? They <laughs> drill holes through all of them to put the piranhas into those containers so they wouldn't bite through the bags. Now, for him, they line the bags with, like, this super thick... Like a six millimeter bag. Here. No, no, no. It was a thick bag. Remember the blue lining and the, the yellow lining on the bottom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the plastic container. Basically, it's a, it's a Tupperware container with a bunch of holes drilled through it because <laughs> the piranhas can bite through the bag in transit. So no, no, no. There's there's no, no, no. I know what you're talking about. No, I'm talking about the ones the plecos coming. The ones in the, the bottom. The baskets? Yeah, 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 yeah. The baskets. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, they'll ship them in baskets inside a bag. It's pretty funny sometimes. You open the bag up, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, right? These. These piranhas are in Tupperware containers inside bags, so they don't they don't bite through it. It's pretty funny. Or the plecos are in this super thick built cage at the bottom, so they can't pop the bags either. Yeah, because they'll pop through with their pectoral fins for sure. Wow. So yeah, sometimes they come in, they come in plastic containers inside the bags. Wow. Depending on what they are. Wow. So I mean, there's there's just so much, right? I mean, just from just from collecting in the wild. Um, you know, in, ensuring that the fish is healthy, you know, before they, they actually ship it, figuring out what the best way is to ship this, this fish, you know, two or 3000 miles, 4,000 miles. So it doesn't pop its bag, getting it to you guys. I mean, there's so much that, you know, the normal hobbyist, I guess, you know, or maybe even maybe a, a potential customer of a customer of yours doesn't think about that goes into just getting one of these cool fish into their home aquarium. Yeah, you're you're right, and you wouldn't you really wouldn't think about it. You wouldn't think about it until you see the way it's done. You know, I guess you might think about it, but we uh, we've definitely learned how these fish get shipped by opening the boxes. Sometimes we have no idea, like how are they going to ship us this thing? Rage, she's 20 inches. What what's going to happen? And she'll come in a four foot by two foot by two foot box, and we're like, what the hell is in that box? You know, they they do they do their job pretty pretty right. Yeah, so Some of our shipments, they get re-oxygenated pretty much halfway through their their travels, I guess you can say. Oh, wow. So I'm looking at your uh, your posted picture of a black piranha, and I think I see, so I see a black glove yeah. holding a black piranha, and then underneath it, it's like a deli cup um, <laughs> with a bunch of holes. Well, yeah, with yeah, a bunch of holes yeah. drilled. Okay. With the white lid. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. All right, and so so what else, yeah. right? The the cactus, we've got the uh, the cactus, Mustang cactus pleco. I'm sorry, L452. Uh, what's another one that you guys are really proud of that you think people should check out? Or that the I should I should look up right now on uh, oh yeah, yeah the those, true Colombian whiptail. 
The chameleon whiptail, the chameleon whiptail yeah. is its common name. They are absolutely gorgeous fish. And I remember looking for those things for myself uh, a few years ago as a hobbyist, and I, I could never find them, or at least I could never find them for less than like a $150, $200 area, depending on size. And uh, we were really excited to bring those in for the first time, which this is our probably fifth time or so, sixth mm-hmm. time bringing them in. But um, it seems like they're getting more, they're getting captured more often now. They're becoming a little bit more available. So I definitely suggest everybody who is into the whiptail or the pleco world, check out the pseudo-hemiodon apithanos or the chameleon whiptail because they're available and they're awesome. And they're cheaper than they ever were. They used to be 150 plus. We sell them for $70 now. Yeah. Wow, nice. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's definitely a good drop in price for people. And how many of those do you guys have right now? 20 something something like that yeah yeah i don't know if oh, wow. lines. very cool i can go count for you <laughs> about 20, give or take a few well once we go into the fish room though all you're going to hear is like the rumblers i mean the, the bubblers in the back that's why we ended up having to do this uh interview somewhere else because if we were down there all year is the, it's a good sound though when, yeah, you, when you open up the door to the to the room and you start walking all you hear is the rumble from all the sponge filters it's, it's pretty beautiful it's, it's, it's yeah i was about to say it's, it's something like you're not used to hearing it's 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 really neat. <laughs> you can hear it through the vents in the rest of the house. It's harmonic. Oh, very nice. Very soothing. Very nice. <laughs> and so, what's uh, what, let's go one last fish. What what do you want people to check out that you guys have right now that you think is uh is really Ooh. cool? Well, I know right now you've got a blue pan a blue eye panock that eighteen inches. The sucker is massive. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, looking at yeah. One of my my profile picture for my Facebook is me holding our giant four eighteen. We have a gigantic blue eye seventeen and a half eighteen inches with the trailer. And we have like an 18 and a quarter inch L418. That thing is oh, massive. Beast. Every time I handle it, it rips open my thumb. Not like causes <laughs> blood, but like it—it's just a oh, man. Jared, you sound like a you sound like a you sound like a glutton for punishment, man. Probably older than us, honestly. Oh yeah, some of these fish are older than we are. For yeah, sure. to reach that size, it's 25 plus years old. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a big boy. It's it's an old uh, old fish. Wow, very cool. And so let, let's talk about, um, you know, without showing too much of your hand, what do you, what do you think is in the works for Pleco Paradise in the future? Where do you, where do you see Pleco Paradise in the next five years? Well, we have some special stuff coming on at the end of this year. We're going to venture out into some different countries. I kind of want to keep it a surprise, but we're going to work on bringing some cool stuff in from um, areas outside of South America and kind of upping our oddball game. Um, so I'm pretty excited for that. I'm, I'm going to kind of keep it on the lowdown for, you know, as of after everything I just said, that's pretty much all I'm going to say. We're going to bring some cool stuff in at the end of the year. No, very cool, man. I mean, that's definitely something where, uh, if, if people weren't already following you, you know, that, that may have piqued their curiosity and just a simple, uh, we'll have it in the show notes, but just head on over to Pleco Paradise, maybe your Facebook page, uh, hit the follow button and just get those notices. So Gino alluded to something pretty cool in the works, you know, coming from a different country they're not getting right now. So also, I think, um, not, I think I definitely know one of our future goals, which we're, we're going to try to reach as much as possible. We've already started is to, reach out to more local fish stores and kind of get on a little bit of a wholesale area so that we can supply some of these fish stores that may be in rural areas or just don't have access to a lot of the stuff we bring in. We definitely like to, we, we love our, our retail customers and everything. And we're always going to do that, but we would like to venture out and start supplying uh, some people with, with their fish or at least a portion of their fish. Cause we just have 
access to so much, so many cool species from so many different areas. Uh, we could definitely help a lot of people out with that. That's awesome, man. So Gino and George, you know, thank you very much. And I want to give you guys this last part of the interview to, you know, give give some shout outs if you haven't had a chance to, you know, uh, plug some other businesses out there that have really helped you guys along or, you know, who you think people should check out. I know already one off the top of my head, we haven't talked about her yet, but you guys can go ahead and uh, drop that for her. And then also let us know how we can get a hold of you. Okay, I think uh, a couple of the ways to get a hold of us, of course, at the Facebook business page. Pleco Paradise LLC, www.facebook.com slash Pleco Paradise LLC. After that, our Gmail is Pleco Paradise LLC.com. Uh, at Gmail. I'm sorry, at Gmail.com. My apologies. Yeah. You can email us there. Um, Same thing with Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, Instagram. Pleco Paradise LLC. Just make sure you throw the LLC in there, and it'll, it'll lead you right to us. Also, if you, if you find us on Facebook through our business page, if you send us a message, our instant response gives you both of our phone numbers so that if we don't, if for some reason we might miss a message or so, give us a call, shoot us a text. You know, we try to, that's another thing that might set us apart. We try to be as personable as possible. You know, we, we'll talk to customers for a couple hours on the phone sometimes <laughs> and we love it. You know, this is what we do. We're here to help you guys out. Customer service, uh, the way we handle our customers is something we pride ourselves on. Yet again, um, we, we take care of everybody. And that's, that's probably something that we've learned from the car business, selling cars and whatnot. We definitely know how important it is for you to be able to get a hold of us, check on fish after they come in if you have any questions, or check on fish after you, uh, they arrive at your house. We're always here to help you out. We want to know how the fish are doing after you receive them, yep. and we want to be able to answer any questions that you have. We love the six-month-later videos where the fish is, you know, swimming across the tank is super chunky and fat, just laid a cluster, you know what I mean? We love that stuff. Yep, most definitely. So give us a call, shoot us a text, Facebook, Instagram, email, doesn't matter. Yeah, our phones are always on like 4%, but they're not that, <laughs> that long, I promise you. And what about that, uh, that shout-out to one of your favorite Pacific Northwest customers? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Shout-out to Gold Coast Aquatics yeah, and uh, Gangy. She. The food we feed our fish is so important, everybody. And there's a lot of food on the market. There's cheap food. There's expensive food. But uh, it's super important. Our fish eat better than we do. And yeah, the, the food that, that uh, Gold Coast Aquatics has, Evo Aquarius Stick, it's fantastic. And uh, Sarah Bills, too, at Cascadia Aquatics. Yeah, she just started selling food now. She's right? got some fa fantastic food, tropical. She's, uh, she's got that available to anybody who might need it. All right. Yeah. Excellent. And Kate. Yeah, K&M, yeah, Kevin Keith, solid, solid guy. And on top of that, he makes a really, really good quality product. We have a million of his caves in the fish room. I couldn't even imagine how much weight and stone we have bought from him, to be 100% <laughs> honest. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. You definitely got to support a bunch of good businesses out there. Awesome. There's a bunch of good people in this hobby. Um, and there's a lot of people who are just good for the hobby. And, you know, a lot of the people that we uh, deal with and pride ourselves in calling our friends are really solid people in this business that we hope to see in this business with us ideally just like we hope to be in this business as long in 20 something years you know yeah we're all in this together if you're looking for african cichlids hit up dat cichlid yeah d-a-t-z d-a-t-z they know breeds what's up everything in house pretty much breeds everything he has yeah for, yeah. The, for the most part no God bless super him, knowledgeable can help you out with anything you need and has some super high quality healthy fish 
And another thing, too, we, we were talking about Gold Coast's food. We don't even talk about the fact that she's also the sole importer for Ricky Lim's discus. No, yeah, One of the yeah. first people to bring in his fish in a long, long, long time. And, uh, yeah, she won awards at NADA, which is like a discus uh, competition. You know, for a she, I want to say she won like five awards, first time showing up. You know, um, really good source for that. Same thing for Jeffrey Moy. I'm a big fan of him. He's just maybe because he's local to me. I've had pleasure of meeting him numerous times. But, um Another great source for discus. Sounds like it sounds like people we should have on the Aquarius podcast to come on and talk about what they're doing. Oh yeah, there, there you <laughs> go. Call, call peer, all of them, man. Peer pressure is a real thing. There and you I go. Highly encourage it sometimes in all situations right. like this, especially. All right, guys. Well, I, I can tell you right now. I mean, I'm just loving your guys' passion. I love your sense of community. I love your sense of, uh, you know, your devotion to you know, making these fish available, um, ensuring that they're, that they're healthy stock for people. Um, and so if anybody, any listener out there, if you're, if you're interested in, you know, the, these exotic plecos, um, or other exotic fish, I mean, I would strongly encourage you to check out Pleco Paradise. I mean, I've had a blast talking to you guys. Um, and even if you're not looking to buy, I mean, just go check it out and see what they have. Check out this Mustang cactus, um, Pleco that they have that's, you know, cutting George's hand every time he touches it. And, you know, they have to, they have to ship it in a crazy Tupperware wear a custom container to keep it from busting bags so you guys are doing a lot of really cool stuff and i look forward to seeing um really cool things from you in the future too yeah you definitely will man we're in it for the long run we're gonna be here for a while you, you can't get rid of us <laughs> all right guys excellent <laughs> no we'll, we'll have you we'll have we'll have to have you back on then yeah, and we'll have to have you on one of our expeditions once once we finally do that. Oh man, it's it's on definitely. All right, guys, well you have a great evening. Thank you, thank you so much for staying up late with me tonight. Thanks, no honored to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, man. Thank All you right. so. Take care. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.